Well, good morning, church family. Let's stand as we open in worship. Yeah. 
Well, to a crowd of people who are chasing Jesus for what they could get out of him, Jesus says in John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And so Jesus, as he directs this crowd, he directs them to what he is doing, who he is, who he eternally is, that he has brought about life. He is singularly responsible for why we are here. Not only why we are gathered together here, but why we exist is Jesus, the Lord who has spoken all things into existence and who has come and he gave his life to redeem and bring about new life in those who had come to him as the bread of life, to believe in him, to follow him, to surrender their lives to him in response to his goodness, his grace, his love, and what we celebrated last week, his self-sacrifice, and then his resurrection. And so I hope today you know Christ as your Lord, that you can sing that song, that his name, blessed be his name, that his name is exalted because of who he is, not what you can get out of him. Not how he'll benefit circumstances, but because he's the Lord and he's the King. So welcome. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here. I'd like to welcome you uh, to worship with us. Uh, this morning, if you're a visitor, there should be a card right in front of you uh, that says communication card. I'd love for you to take that, fill that out, share some information with us, and drop that in the basket on your way out as you're offering this morning. Give us the opportunity to reach out to you this week, see if there's anything we can do or pray for you. Uh, would greatly appreciate that opportunity. So we've got a uh, event coming up this coming Saturday. So there is a uh, conference that we will be partnering with a, a local ministry called Under His Wings uh, to to put on, and it is for parents, uh, parents of all ages and children of all ages. This is a specifically to support and to help foster an adoptive parents who are parenting children from places of trauma, but the foundation of this, this method and what, they, what they'll look at over the weekend is the gospel. It is the work of the gospel in, in sinful lives and in lives that have struggled and dealt with sin. And so it is the application of very gospel-centered principles into parenting and how to build trust with, with kids and how to help fix and and love and nurture uh, children from hard places uh, into into faith hopefully faith in Christ and so it's a wonderful it's a wonderful conference wonderful content wonderful time would encourage you uh, to come be a part uh, we'll be Saturday morning get started I believe at nine o'clock nine o'clock it's not up there can we confirm that nine o'clock eight thirty eight thirty okay eight thirty all right, so close. 8.30 in the morning, uh, we'll get started, and uh, we'll be live streaming the, the conference. So I would encourage you. There's no cost to it, and so I would encourage you to come and take part, and uh, if even come for some of it. Uh, it would be a wonderful opportunity this, this Saturday morning. Okay? Also, we have been memorizing Scripture. This is our last Sunday in Psalm 119. And so, if you would, join with me. Let's, uh, let's recite this verse twice. And uh, then we'll, we'll wrap it up. So I hope you have committed this to memory. It's a real short one. 
real short little verse, and so if you would, uh, recite it with me. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, 105. All right, one more time. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, 105. All right, so your word, Christ, he, what he has done, what he has spoken is direction. Directs us, illumines our steps. And so that is our prayer for this morning as we open the word together that he would direct us. So if you would pray with me. Father God, I thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to gather together around what you have said, what you have spoken, what you have inspired, preserved. And God, would you open our eyes? God, would you open our hearts to hear what you have said, what you have done? And God, lead us to your son. Lead us to faith in Christ this morning. Some for the first time, some in repentance and in restoration of dependence upon you, Lord. I ask you to just lead us, guide us, be glorified, Lord, this morning as we, as we look at what you've, you've written. That, God, you would direct our steps. You would lead us in life. And that, God, you, Lord, would be most glorified in each of our lives. We thank you and ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship.
trial we face, God, through loss of a loved one, Lord, through a loss of a job, Lord, whatever we struggle with, whatever we deal with, we can turn to you and say, it is well with our souls, not because of anything on this earth, but because of what you have done. Lord, in sending your son, pay the price for our sins. And God, that you rose again, and you are no longer, you are not in that tomb, but God, you are in heaven. Jesus, you are in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Lord, thank you. Father, we pray for Pastor Joel as he comes up to bring the word that you will give us ears to hear and hearts to understand, that we will leave this building better equipped to be your church and to love those around us. We love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Alex, and our worship team. It's great to have uh, Cliff Jackson back with us in uh, playing the drums. Uh, tax season is officially over. Uh, I noticed he doesn't have a suntan. He's pale. Y'all pray for him that he would... Uh, uh, anyway. Uh, just a, a couple of things. Uh, tonight, normally on this Sunday night, we would have a mealtime together. And uh, our, our cook is... Uh, uh, down a little bit and so uh, we won't be having a meal unless somebody wants to go out and uh, bake enough uh, pizzas for us for tonight we'll gather at six o'clock and we will uh, eat pizza but otherwise we're going to be in here we're going to talk about service tonight about serving the Lord serving people uh, it'll be real simple and um, we're going to look at the Lord Jesus and how he served we're going to look at giftedness uh, and how that affects our serving others. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about what kind of attitude we ought to have when we serve others and some of the blessings of serving people. And, uh, and then we're going to take just a moment to garner some ideas from you for some future service projects because we want to take the gospel uh, to the community and uh, if you've got some ideas of some ways that we as a church body uh, can reach out into our community, then we want to be able to do that and uh, solicit your input. So uh, if you can be back tonight at 6, we'd appreciate it. And then just kind of an update, we want to continue to pray for the pastor search team. Um, I know they have uh, looked at uh, more than 50 resumes from people, and I don't know if they are... They have five to eight uh, that fit the, the 
framework in which uh, we are looking for or if it's five-eighths of a person. I don't know which it is. I saw, I just saw it in glance. I'm trying to stay out of this and uh, so maybe they've got five-eighths of a guy that might could come and Anyway, no, be in prayer for them and uh, just ask the Lord that he might direct their steps. Uh, uh, some people are saying things like, it was said to me last Sunday, this is your last Easter. And I thought, wow, do you know something I don't know about? And I, hope to, I hope I'm alive next Easter. And Lord willing, I'll, I'll be right here, okay? I'll just be a just church member at that time. And then, uh, or uh, you're close to your end. And I'm like, okay, now wait a minute. We've got to come up with better terminology. Uh, your last days as pastor, senior pastor of Faith Family Fellowship uh, are, are coming. I, I think I do have a job uh, cutting grass out here after I retire. Uh, it needs to be done. And I found out Friday, and I know I'm wasting time here. I found out Friday, uh, standing out in front of Walmart with my dog, uh, that I can come to the aid of preschool mothers who are uh, bought stuff in the store and are trying to put it together out in the parking lot. I saw a lady struggling. I wanted to go help her, and I thought, she's going to say, dirty old man. Be quiet. Don't say a word. And I'm standing there with my dog, and finally I hear her holler at me, Can you come help me? And I went, Oh, yeah. I, so there's a job for me at Walmart. Um, anyway, having said all of that, uh, last Sunday was a great Sunday. I don't know where the other half of the people are that were here last Sunday. Uh, you call them up, tell them to come back. Uh, but uh, we looked at Isaiah 53. And I am going to take eight, this is one step backwards as we're going through some of the special passages in the book of Isaiah. We're going to take a step back and go to the 26th chapter of the book of Isaiah uh, to a passage of scripture that you probably have heard before. Uh, we're going to try to cover the whole of the chapter. Uh, don't know if I'll accomplish that or not. But it's an interesting chapter in that it's a song. The whole of the chapter is a song. And uh, it begins with security. It ends with security. And yet in the middle of it, you see some hills and valleys. Because that's the way life is. Uh, we have moments of insecurity and some security. And God will give us some explanation and some help I titled the message security in an insecure world I could have said an unsecure world uh, either or either works potato potato tomato tomato no actually there's a big difference uh, it's it's not a secure world but we are insecure in our feelings in an unsecure world and uh, I think God wants us as his people to be secure okay that's what the text is about so if you have a copy of God's word I invite you to Isaiah 26 uh, I'll read an opening uh, verses 1 through 4 and again it's a passage you're very familiar with and in that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah and here's what it says we have a 
strong city. He, and that's the Lord, He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. He opens the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he or that one trusts in you that is the Lord. So we have an imperative, a command. Trust in the Lord, how long? Forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Would you join me in prayer? And Father, we do, we do want to ask for your help today. Uh, Lord, there are things that are unknown to us, that are only known to you. And Lord, as we, as we looked last week, those, these words in Isaiah that have the great prophecies regarding the coming of the Lord Jesus and what he would do were written 700 years uh, before it came to pass. And so you reveal things through your word to us and yet... Uh, Lord, you leave us walking by faith, and you said the just shall live by faith, and, uh, and our days are uncertain. Our futures uh, can be certain, but what might happen in the days that lie ahead are uncertain to us. They're unknown to us, and yet you, have, you are the rock. You are the solid foundation. You're the one in whom we can trust. You are our Savior. Uh, you're, you're the whole focus, as Matthew prayed about, talked about a moment ago. Uh, Lord Jesus, it is you that we pursue hotly, uh, passionately, as the deer pants and longs for the water. So we long for you because you are the rock of our salvation. You are our security, and there is no security in anything else. And so we thank you that you're the one who died for our sin, was buried, rose again victoriously over sin, death, hell, and the grave, and that you are coming again someday and you will receive us unto yourself. You said you go and prepare a place for us and you will come again and receive us. So Lord, help us to be that confident today because we trust in the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, there is no security in this world. Um, we, in our day, we've experienced a lot of blessings over uh, so many of you in your lifespan have, have not known some of the insecurities uh, that uh, some who in previous generations have known. Uh, there are some of you who have experienced uh, some of those deep things. War is a terrible time. It's a time of insecurity. And we see that going on in our world right now. Uh, we have a lot of insecurity about what the impact of what's going on is. Uh, every time that uh, we're on the computer at the house and all of a sudden it starts spinning, I don't know what Janet and I say, Russia. You know, I, you know, I don't know if it's them hacking in or what, but, but that, it reminds us that it's not the safest moment in time, and we see 
murder rates around the country going up. We see violence increasing. It leads us to an, an insecurity. But relatively, the United States has known for decades a, a safety and a secure place. Uh, there are pockets. There are um, groups that we can make exceptions for, and they are valid and legitimate. And we don't have time for in the sermon today to talk about all of those things uh, because of race and economic situations, uh, because of difficulties. That it's not always a safe environment, but. We have enjoyed relative safety, and it's been stated probably due to what we call the greatest generation, what they've done, how they stepped up to the plate in a time of need. And uh, so we, we put a lot of credit on that greatest generation, and we should. But what I want to remind you of, our security and safety has not been because of the greatest generation. What we call the greatest generation, which is my parents' generation, is because they had come out of depression. They had, had come out of want and need and humility and brokenness. Uh, there was the great war that was supposed to end all the problems, and it didn't happen. Uh, they, they went without physically. Uh, they went without a lot of things, and even during that time was the uh, the Dust Bowl of the the Midwest. And most of us, especially if you're young, wouldn't even, ever even think about that. It was tough times, but out of that humility, there was a spiritual brokenness, by and large, among that generation. There was a realization among that generation that. Things were bad, and if there was any hope, our hope was in Christ. It was in the Lord. Uh, my dad, when uh, Pearl Harbor was uh, bombed, he went to Montgomery. That for him was a very difficult thing to do, and he registered to become a Marine to fight in that battle. It came out of a spiritual basis of saying there is a spiritual right and there's a spiritual wrong this is wrong and we need to do the right thing and what I'm saying is don't overlook that the things they did were really directed by the hand of God and the hand of the living God that's what this chapter is telling the Jews in the day of Isaiah Remember, Isaiah covers a time frame that includes four different kings. And Hezekiah is going to be that righteous king that comes in and he repents. He turns to the Lord. He leads the people, even though he fails at some other areas in his life. He turns the people toward the Lord. He reminds them that their security, their safety is in Christ. But this is, a, this is a, a chapter that not only deals with the current situation that was going on in Isaiah's day, but all of history. Because when it ends at the conclusion of the chapter, he's really talking about the end time. When Christ shall come, 
And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, so it is the all-sufficient one. It is the Lord's doing that produces all of this. Verse 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So understand, we're saying security is in the Lord. Security is in Christ. It's in your relationship with Him, what He can do. Uh, peace is a gift from God. It's not something that uh, is just the absence of conflict. You can have peace in the middle of conflict. Of course, I, I said to someone, first part, of, I think on Monday, I said, this is going to be a terrible week. And they said, why would you say that? I said, because I'm going to be preaching on he's going to keep in perfect peace the one whose mind has stayed on him. And i got to tell you, it's been a challenging week. And many times I have failed keeping my mind fixed on the Lord. And uh, you'll find that to be true. Israel had abandoned the way of faith. Hezekiah had returned them uh, through the directive hand of the Lord to find a faith-based peace. That's where our peace comes from. There were cities that were forsaken. There were uh, strong cities that had been deserted in Isaiah's day. Uh, the enemy was coming against uh, Jerusalem, and some of the walls were being breached. And they were at the point of tearing the walls out of their own homes. I want you to get the picture. They're tearing walls out of their own homes and carrying them to the walls of the city and patching the walls of the city with the walls of their own houses. Uh, things are, you're talking about things being bad. Things were bad. So uh, let's, let's see what uh, the Scripture has to say. So it begins with security. It ends with the security. Point number one, verses one through four that we just read Let's see that we have a secure rock. And, of course, that rock is Jesus. Notice what it says. We have a strong city. Now, uh, he wasn't talking about Jerusalem in particular. Uh, it was St. Augustine who wrote a book titled The City of God. And that came out of a time when the uh, uh, Visigoths, Y'all remember the Visigoths of 410 A.D., right? Uh, yeah, I remember them. They were Germanic, Germanic tribes that had come in and attacked and ransacked Rome. And Augustine was a bishop in uh, Hippo, in northern uh, uh, kids. He wasn't a hippo, okay? I know that's what you heard me say. Uh, he wasn't a hippo. The name of the town was Hippo. And uh, so uh, he wrote a book called The City of God in contrast to what he had seen. He had gone to the religious city of Rome, and when he got there, he said, this is, an, this is a wicked city. Here's the seat, as it were, the, the location of the head of the church, and it's a wicked city. And so in his writing about it, he he writes about the city of God, which is the kingdom of God, a kingdom of the heart. And then he talks about the city of humanity. 
And that is the world without Christ. And so when he's talking about we have a strong city, he's talking about the city of God. He's talking about a security that is in Christ. Today we might call it the church, but when we say the church, we're not talking about a building. We're not necessarily talking about membership in the church. We're talking about the called out from the world into Christ by faith alone in Christ alone. That's the true church. Those are the true born-again believers. So he says, we, the people of God, have a strong city. It is filled with salvation. It has protection. So open the gates, he says. Where are we opening the gates to? To the kingdom of God. We're opening the gates to the kingdom of God because God's its defender. We don't have to defend the church. We don't have to defend the kingdom of God. Our battle is not of this world. We're reminded in the New Testament that your warfare is not of flesh and blood. It is against principalities and powers, spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. So our weapons are not of this world. Now I, you know, I, there are times I, you and I struggle with that. We want to fight back. Jesus said, don't do it. If someone, I was teaching the children on Wednesday night, and uh, I asked the question of them, what's the hardest thing uh, that the Bible commands you to do that you find most difficult to do, and why? And I got a couple of different answers, and one of the students said, the hardest thing for me to do is love my enemies. And I said, Why? I got this puzzled look on the, from them because they're my enemy. I thought, that's a pretty good answer. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to do. If someone strikes you on the cheek, what did Jesus say? Give them the other one. Wait a minute. That's not the way we do business around here, especially not in the South, right? I mean, that's good cause for a good fight. And yet that's not what Christ calls us to do. He says, no, you open the gates, you invite people to come in by faith, verse 2 tells us, to enter in. And the one who has done that, who keeps their mind steadfast upon him, will find perfect peace. It's interesting, the Bible uses a, a Hebrew I'm going to use the word idiom. It's an expression. It's a way of saying something. It, it, it says peace, peace. So when it says perfect peace, it's actually just putting shalom, shalom together. And, and, and it's just talking about true peace. Uh, not like Jesus said, I, I, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. And where do you I, and I find that perfect peace, that true peace? When our mind is steadfastly upon Christ. And when troubles come, what's our tendency? It's just like Peter. When Peter is uh, invited by the Lord to walk on the water, he starts walking on the water until what does he recognize? <laughs> Stormy seas. And when he gets his eyes on the seas and gets his eyes off of Jesus, he begins to sink. It's a reminder to us. It's a metaphor for us to remember that's true for the believer in Christ. 
And can I tell you, there are many distractions, are there not? There really are. You know, I, I, I can't remember. I think the name of the movie was Up. It may have been a Disney movie, so I'm not supposed to talk about that if it was. But I think it was in, in Up. But our, our, our dog that passed away back in December was the same way as the dog in, in the Disney movie. He was distract, so distracted by a squirrel that, I mean, all you had to do was say, squirrel? And, boy, it was fun just to watch him go try to find it. Well, the world is continually screaming squirrel. It's continually screaming, come look at me. Come take of me. Come participate with me. Uh, the world is constantly, because of the troubles that are in the world, getting our attention. Uh, this breaks. This falls apart. This doesn't work. I've got a disease. i got this. This happens. Uh, on and on we could go. But notice it says, He keeps them in true peace whose mind is... It says stayed, it's steadfast is the word in the Hebrew. It's fixed upon, and it's interesting, it's in the passive. Now, why would I even say that? Because it, it, we don't translate it in English in, in, as passive, but it means who gives you the ability to keep your mind fixed on Him? It's not something that, you just do because you do a better job at it. It's because Christ grants it to you. Christ grant. Oh, my, my, my mind has wandered off the sufficiency of Christ. How do I get back? Oh, there's a call that comes. It's the Holy Spirit of God. It's the Word of God. It's the people of God that encourage each other to come. And it says because we trust in him. So therefore, we get the command in verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. For, and here in the English Standard Version, it translates it, the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And it's interesting because, uh, again, you can't see it in English, but in the, in the, in the Hebrew text, it's Yah, Yahweh. Well, what does that mean? Yahweh is that Name, personal name of God, which means he's the all-sufficient one. He's the eternal one. He's the one who was, is, and is to come. He is the I am. And when it uses that little part of it, Y-A-H, it it's an endearing term. It means the God who made everything exist makes himself what? Available to us. So that as Romans 8 says, we can cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. So there's an intimacy in the, the Lord who is our rock. He, he, he invites us. And so we have this all-sufficient eternal Lord who endears himself to us through a relationship of faith in Christ. Where does our security come from? It comes from Christ himself. Faith alone in Christ alone. Now... I've already used up most of my time, and I've got seven points, and I was one. All right? Number two, we won't, won't take time to look at all this, but the second thing I want you to see is, is not only do we have a, uh, 
a security in Christ, that our security is in the rock of our salvation, but we live in a dusty world. That's the language that's here, okay? Uh, the world in which we live, it, it's, just notice he says, He, the Lord, has humbled the inhabitants of the lofty city, the city of the world. God will humble, and he lays it low. He crushes it to the ground. He casts it into the dust. Uh, the foot tramples it, even the feet of the poor, even the steps of the needy. This, this world system is, is not what we can put our trust in. It's just full of dust. I mean, you know, uh, you're, you're born knowing you're going to now do what? Die. I know if you're young, you're not thinking about that, and that's okay. You shouldn't be sitting around going being morbid, okay? But the reality is everything uh, is in the process of decay. Buy a new house, what happens to it? It falls apart. Buy a new car. Go buy a brand new car. My advice to you is get a new car, go out on your driver's side right after you buy it, get your key and just walk all the way down, key the whole side of it, be done with it, okay? Because somebody's going to do it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm trying to say things just fall apart in this world. That's what he's saying here. It's a dusty world. I like what uh, uh, Alec Mautier uh, said. He said, victory is solely the Lord's work and his people's part is to enter upon what he has accomplished here they do not fight but simply trample the dust left by the divine overthrow I'm going to read that last statement again okay here we don't fight we simply trample in the dust that is left by the divine overthrow you and I at times as Christians might feel like the world may treat us as second-class citizens. Uh, I'm interested uh, in watching some of actors, Christian actors, talk about their uh, lack of getting parts in Hollywood. I don't know if you've ever watched some of them. I could name off a few of them to you. But because they have a f walk of faith in Christ, they're, they're, they're being turned away from Hollywood. Hollywood says we don't want you. We don't want you to bring your morality into Hollywood. We don't want you to bring your Christian ethics into uh, Hollywood. We don't want it. We don't want it. And apparently Disney is saying some of the same stuff. And so uh, it's in decay. It's in the dust. And yet what God says, don't look at it that way. You're just stirring up, you know, you're kind of like a pig pen. And peanuts, everywhere you walk around, the dust is stirred up. It's the dust of the world. You know, it's a dusty world. And if you as a believer walk through it, you're just going to walk in the dust of what Christ crushes. This world system does not belong to him. The kingdom of God does. The church of the living G Lord Jesus Christ does. And when you go to verse 9, he changes from the plural to the singular and it says you matter you in Christ matter well then thirdly there's the smoothed pathway it's 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 something that Christ 
provides for his children in verses 7 through 9. The path of the righteous is level. You make level the way of the righteous. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. You see, there's a longing in the heart for peace. And, and, and there is a peace. There's only a peace in the one who came. Uh, scripture talks about the Lord Jesus. He made the crooked straight. He made the rough places plain. You see, the work of salvation uh, that humanity gets involved in is really an impossible experience. Try to be good enough. Try to be religious enough. If I do just a little bit more, if I'm just a little bit better, wait a minute. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is faith in the one who made the path straight. The walk of the Christian life will always be filled with trials and difficulties, but you and I walk with Jesus through it. And you will find him to be the unseen hand in all that's going on around you. Uh, when, when we lose a job, when, when a family member dies, where do we find hope as believers? Where is that uh, uh, level way it is in the Lord Himself. The look of the the look on their earthly past. Uh, believers look on their path on this earth as God given. They hold on to Him, believing and expecting that God will keep them steadfast. Number four, a spiritual blindness. Verses 10 and 11. You and I have to understand that this world, as you and I were at one time, or if you're not in Christ today, you still are spiritually blind. Uh, It says, "If, if favor or grace is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly. And notice what it says, and does not see the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, lift, uh, your, uh, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. And let the fire of your adversaries consume them. What, what's he talking about there? Just like you, before coming to faith in Christ, you couldn't see it. You couldn't see the way of salvation. You, you, you couldn't know it. You couldn't know the hope that you could have in Christ. You couldn't know the rest of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ unless he does what? Pulls away the blindness. Uh, Paul talking to the church at Corinth said their eyes are blind by the God of this world. And uh, we're spiritually dead and then there's an enemy that's blinding us and we have no hope unless Christ comes. So we deliver the gospel, we open the door to the world, and at the same time, what do we recognize? They don't see it. They don't understand it. They don't know it. So where is our hope? Number five, an ordained peace. An ordained peace. Look at verse 12. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us. For you have indeed done for us all our 
works. And I could go on through the rest of these verses uh, through verse 15, but I think you get it in verse 12. God has ordained peace for you, and he's done the work for you. And what does he do? He says, come. Come and believe. Come and trust. Come and trust in the one who died for your sin, was buried, and rose again the third day. But I wasn't there. No, you weren't there. But we, sat, we have a hymn that asked the question, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? No, I wasn't. Ah, but I was. I was. And that became a reality for me in my life at a particular moment in my life when God, through the Holy Spirit, came and drew me to himself and granted me grace to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're in Christ, that has happened for you. You are not a believer because you're more intelligent than the rest of the world out there. Okay? That's not what brings you. You're not more religious. There are, I'm a pastor, okay? I get up every morning, 4 o'clock, have a devotion time. There are unbelievers who have more devoted times with the Lord than I do, okay? They're more religious than I ever thought about being, okay? It isn't through being religious. It is through faith alone in Christ alone. So that everything the Lord's people experience and have has been done for them by whom? By Christ. By the Lord himself. The sufficient one who says come unto me. And then notice. So remember it starts secure. It goes down to where the world is just a bunch of dust and a lot of trouble. And yet, uh, God has provided a way for us, and he's revealed it, number six, in a sure resurrection. A sure resurrection in verses 16 through 19. O Lord, in distress they sought you. They poured out a whispered prayer when you, your discipline was upon them. And then he uses a, a metaphor, an illustration here. He says, it's, it's like being a pregnant woman, of which I have never been, <clears throat> who writhes, I watched my wife do this, writhes in and cries out in her pains. I remember when Janet was, we, we had gotten to the hospital, and this is terrible. It's just tell, yeah, no, I'm going to tell it. We arrive at the hospital. She's in labor. We go in. They examine her, and this is what they say. Go out and walk around in the parking lot for an hour or so because you're not quite ready. And we're walking, and she's bending over, and she's crying, and she's grieving. And me, full of compassion, said, if you can't make it to the end of the parking lot and back, what makes you think you're going to be able to deliver our son? Wasn't that sweet? I may be over-exaggerating for illustrative purposes, but it was pretty cruel, whatever I said. Writhing in pain. The world writhes in pain. We writhe in pain 
to be clothed with Christ. There's something missing in us. And he says, that's what it is. But look what verse 19 says. Your dead shall live. Their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, this existence here, who have faith in Christ, awake and sing for joy. And know that the dew that you find in the morning is the dew of light. And the earth will give birth to the dead. Where do we see this in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? Where do we see this in the promise of the Word of God? Where do we see this? We see it in, the, in 1 Corinthians 15 in the book of Revelation that the dead in Christ shall rise. We see it in 1 Thessalonians. Remember it was Paul who said it in the 15th chapter of, of 1 Corinthians. If the dead do not rise, I am among men the most miserable. If there's no hope. Your hope is sure if it's in Christ. Your, your faith is promised. Even though you walk in this dusty world, there is a pathway through it through Christ Jesus. And then he concludes with a secure future in the concluding verses, verses 20 and 21. And notice what he says. Since this is true, come. Come. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ today, what is the message that Christ says it is you're a part of the city of the world and it will burn it will be destroyed you have no hope there is no assurance for you and uh, there's no forgiveness of sin there is no life that's like the dew in the morning that brings light and life to your soul you won't have it unless you Come to Jesus. And he says, come. How do we come? We come by faith. Yeah, but I want to I touch it. I want to see it. Well, we see it in the promises of the Word of God and in the life of the living Lord Jesus Christ of whom we have multiple witnesses in the New Testament that say he was real. He died. He rose again from the dead. There's an empty tomb. Come and believe. We have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people all across this auditorium who can say, listen, I, I know him. I know him in a spiritual way. And he is life to my soul. And do I have the same problems that the rest of the world has? Absolutely. But I find security in an insecure or an unsecure world. And it is in Jesus Christ. And then if you'll notice, as verse 21, uh, pardon me, verse 22, it says, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. I think it's a, a throwback to the ark when God said, Come, there's a door. How many, I, I saw this on CNN's website a couple of weeks ago, it asked the question, why was there only one door on the ark? Hmm, I thought, that's a great question. 
Why was there only one? You know, if God's wanting all of these uh, animals to come in and anybody who will come and believe to come in, why is there only one door? Because salvation has only one door. Jesus said, I am the door. There's no other way to enter in. And on that ark, there came a moment in time when not Noah, Noah did not shut the door of the ark, but what does the scripture say? God shut it. That's what he's telling us here. There's going to be a moment when God's going to shut the door. So if you're not in Christ, today's the day of salvation. This is the moment. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what the next minute holds. But you know through the scripture Christ holds it all. And in him you can trust. C.H. Spurgeon when he was talking about Psalm 91.5. These words will be up on the screen. He said, we live in the world of death and sorrow. We may anticipate facing ills and difficulties during the night as well as in the glare of the noonday sun. This should not alarm us. For whatever the terror may be, the promise is that the believer shall not be afraid. And why should he be? God our Father is here and will be with us all through the lonely hours. He is an almighty watcher, a sleepless guardian, a faithful friend. Nothing can happen without His direction for even hell itself is under His control. Darkness is not dark to Him. He has promised to be a wall of fire around his people. And who can break through such a barrier? Are you trusting in Christ? Is he your hope? Have you come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? If not, today would be the day to call upon Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And there's really two different invitations that are here there's two different responses to make one if there is no certainty in your heart that you have eternal life that you know Christ and right now you know that God is speaking to your soul and there is an open door that says come and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ Will you not do that right now? It's something that happens in your soul. It's something that happens in the very core of your being. Where you hear Christ say, come, and you say, yes, I'm coming. Oh, this is, this is what the Bible calls being born again. Becoming a child of God. Being saved. Being redeemed. It is coming into the ark of his salvation and knowing that you have life through Christ. It comes by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. And then to those of us who have come to that call from Christ and said yes, there is a response to make because we live in a dusty, dirty world that can't see. And yet the scripture has said to us, open the door. 
open the door and invite and say, come. Because there's a day coming when God's going to say, shut the door. It'll all be over. There is a hope and an assurance of your resurrection in Jesus Christ. So don't be afraid. Your security is in Him and He will surround you and bring you through whatever trial that it is. But will you open the door to others to say, come and follow Christ? And so, Father, it, it is to this end that we come to make a response to the eternal God, the all-sufficient one who is the I Am who has made himself dear to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. And so we ask you to speak in this moment of response. In Jesus' name we pray.